everyone, and welcome to this RBQM podcast series. My name is Amy Adams. I'm a Senior Director of Clinical Operations at ParXL. I'm delighted to be joined by two of my colleagues, Liz Goff, who is an Associate Director of Business Process Excellence, and Kirsty Botes, who is an Associate Director of Clinical Operations. Liz, Kirsty, and I work together on RBQM process alignment and continual improvements in compliance. Risk-based quality management, or RBQM, is becoming a critical element on clinical trials, especially as global regulators put more focus on it as a means to improve patient safety, data quality, and security. Today's discussion is the first in an RBQM podcast series, and we're going to focus on getting RBQM right from the start and managing study risk from end to end. Liz and Kirsty, let's dive right in. Why has managing study risk traditionally been such a challenge? Liz, why don't you answer first? I think one of the challenges starts with the word risk because it's perceived as being really negative. A lot of people don't understand what it means. They often think it means that we're asking them to take risks as opposed to identifying risks and mitigating them. And just the whole idea of risk management seems to be a bit boring and something that doesn't add a lot of value. The other challenge I see is that we don't often have a lot of structure around the way that we do risk management. So project teams take a kind of scattergun approach where they pick a random topic, let's say site activations, and think about all the things that could go wrong, instead of really getting together and thinking, why are we doing this study? What do we need to make sure goes right in order that this study is successful? And using that as a starting point for risk management. And then really linked to that is that the output of a lot of risk assessments can be very general if we take this scattergun approach. And it's really hard for the teams to see the value between the work that they've put in to identifying risks and then how they're actually going to run the study, when really this should be something that should make running the study much easier. In addition to the people component, which Liz just touched on, we also have some other considerations that can make risk management challenging. Firstly, could be the point at which risk management starts. That can actually vary from company to company within the industry. So while we do do a abbreviated risk assessment in pre-award, for the industry, for many, many years, I'd say the last decade or so, we tended to think that risk management started after protocol finalization. Everything that we would do in terms of risk assessments and risk management really only kicked off once we had that protocol approval. Also, the starting point of the actual risk management process itself was something that can be different from company to company. For a long time, we thought that risk identification was the first step in the risk management process. But actually, the first step or the foundation of risk management is that critical data and processes. So what we saw happening in the industry were that project teams were basically just listing out all potential risks that could actually happen on their study, rather than really critically evaluating whether those risks would impact the study endpoints, as well as evaluating the severity and the impact of those risks and determining which were more severe. So we basically had project teams deeming all risks as equal and spending a large amount of time trying to mitigate all of these risks. And that placed a really large burden on project teams. And because of this, we have a reactive approach. We have project teams conducting risk management within their own individual departments, 
trying to cover everything that could affect their specific remit without really taking a step back and looking at whether their risks or the mitigation strategies that they're implementing could affect another department upstream or downstream. Also, to a lesser degree, there are so many tools available for risk management in the industry. Some of them can be as simple or as basic as an Excel spreadsheet or a more complex tool such as a risk assessment and categorization tool. And all of these are designed to help us evaluate our risks and capture them. But the challenge comes in, if we have multiple companies working on a study, each company may have their own risk management tool, and that makes it difficult to aggregate all of the risks on a study and get that holistic view. And I think that's one of the main challenges as well. We often talk about managing risk from end to end, but what do we really mean by that? What are the ends exactly? So like Kirsty mentioned, like with the changes and the evolution of the regulations, risk management now needs to start before pen has been put to paper to write the protocol. So the team that is in charge of designing the study need to first think about what are the critical to quality factors. So those are those items, if they're not controlled, could result in the trial results being invalid or unreliable. And then in the way that they design the protocol, they need to either eliminate or at least reduce those risks as much as possible. So for some people, risk management starts before the protocol has even been produced. Then for another group of people, it does start at the point where you receive the protocol and you're thinking about how you're going to deliver it. And so you've already got your list of critical to quality factors. Then from the protocol, you're going to see your endpoints, both efficacy and safety, and you're going to take them and you're going to complete your list of critical data and processes. And you're also going to add to that processes that are there to protect the rights of the patients. So for other people, it starts at that point. And then as people join the team throughout the study, risk management on that study starts for them then. And then really, it never ends until the end of the study, until the last thing you do on that study, the clinical study report, is finished and done and submitted. That's really when risk management ends. Thanks, Liz. So, Kirsty, if those are the ends, what needs to happen to evaluate risk from end to end? I think it's important to mention that all of us are conducting risk management in all of our tasks, whether we're conducting a site initiation visit or reviewing data listings or signals within a central monitoring platform. While we may not realize it or specifically call it out as such, we are implementing risk mitigation strategies throughout the course of our day. However, because we're so ingrained in our daily tasks and conducting risk mitigation and strategies within our daily tasks, there's a potential for our risk management to be really very departmentally focused. So in each department, everyone is focusing on mitigating risks within their remit rather than considering, considering the risks that may affect other departments. So for effective end-to-end -end risk management, we need to have a shift away from looking at a risk from a limited perspective or from a specific department, but rather towards the holistic view of the risk and its impact specifically on our study endpoints. So that's a great point. So how do we get teams to look at the whole picture instead of just their individual piece? I think the key here is structure. So in the scattergun approach that I mentioned earlier, this really encourages people to go off into their own functions and come up with risks that just impact them without thinking how 
other people's risks might impact them or their risks impact other people. And what we really need to do is get the cross-functional team together to focus on what matters. And what matters are these critical data and processes that are going to ensure that the results of the trial are valid. So I think we can come up with a process whereby we start with that identification and we do that in a cross-functional way. And then we start to think about what are the risks that mean that these data could be missing or invalid. And then from there, we can move on into broader risk considerations to do with operations and logistics and study management. Sometimes those do need a slightly more functional focus, but we're always keeping in mind what matters for that study. So I think the key really is to, from the very beginning, not split risk management by functions, set it out as a collaborative process where we're all getting together to be very clear and focus on what matters. Right, Liz. So in a nutshell, we all actually need to understand the study endpoints and make sure we're all working towards those same study endpoints as a group instead of individual departments. We've talked a lot about risk evaluation, but what about the maintenance phase? How do you suggest managing risk on an ongoing basis? So risk review is the biggest part of the maintenance phase and risk management. And it's an ongoing process that has two components. So first of all, there are periodic reviews that you do in order to check that the evaluations and the mitigations that you've put in place are working or whether they need to be slightly changed. And then the second is doing a full risk review in response to a change. And I think there's probably two main sources of change. There's a change that impacts the way that you deliver the study. So something like a protocol amendment or an update to an IB, or it could even be a change in regulation or a change in the political stability of one of the countries that you're working in. And then the other source of change would come from your central monitoring, where you're looking at the data and you might start to see emerging risks that would mean that you need to go back and think, do I need a new risk or do I need to change the way that I'm managing my existing risks? I think the real key in the maintenance phase is there has to be a reason why you are reviewing your risks. It can't just be your SOP says every three months you've got to do it. So you go and do it and you finalize a new version of the risk management plan to put in the TMF. There's got to be a purpose. It's got to have an outcome. You're doing it for a reason, either to make sure that something is working or because there's been a change and that might impact the risk that you have in place. So this has been a great discussion about how we execute. So what are the outputs of risk management? So risk management should really inform the way that we're going to run a trial. So we shouldn't think about how we're going to run the trial and then go back and decide what risks there are to running it in that way. As far as possible, the risk management and the mitigations that we come up with should drive the way that we're going to run the trial. The best mitigation actions are those that eliminate the risk at its source, but at best, we want to be trying to reduce the impact of those risks. So, for example, when we're setting up our data collection tools, we want to set them up in a way that minimizes the chance that data are missing or invalid, instead of relying on lots of retrospective checks to see if the data are available or whether they're of the required quality. If you're actively monitoring data as you're going along and setting up your signals correctly, then you're going to be able to see trends and potential issues emerging before they actually become a quality issue. Right, Liz. So basically, if you do risk management well, you're going to be able to use your available resources, which include human resources, efficiently and effectively. And really, the true output of risk management is delivering a study effectively and efficiently 
that ultimately brings to the market a device or a drug that saves people's lives or improves their quality of life. That's right, Kirsty. The aim is to have fit for purpose data and not order in inspection findings. Liz and Kirsty, thank you for a great discussion today. And to our listeners, we hope you have picked up some helpful tips. We invite you to join us here each month where we will deep dive into additional RBQM topics.